beautiful. How's everybody doing today? Doing good? Come on, first service of 2023. Who's excited to be in the house? Let's go. How many of you were online with us last weekend to, to watch all the shenanigans? All right. We're serious. We, uh, we take Jesus very seriously, but we don't take ourselves seriously. And man, what a joy and an honor to have you here today. Again, to our first time guests, if you're uh, checking out church today, it's great to have you uh, with us in the house today. Today's Vision Sunday. Vision Sunday. And uh, how many of you here, just show hands, help me out today. You're going you're gonna to just like, let's work it out. Let's work off Thanksgiving, Christmas, New Year's. How many of you have been with us before for a Vision Sunday? Show hands. Oh, wow. Not very many of you. Fantastic. Welcome to the party. It's going to be fun. Um, Vision Sunday around here is a time where we just, uh, we set the course for 2023. And I'm really excited to, uh, to share with you where I feel God is leading us as a church and um, each of us individually. And so um, I do need to say to all of our first time guests today, if you're, if you're new with us, uh, we'd love for you to come hang out with us in the lobby after service dismisses in a little bit. Um, take some time to just get to know you and connect with you. That is our heart here. We want to connect with you. Um, and as well, we're beginning our 21 days of prayer and fasting journey today. You can get on our app. You can get on our website. You can get on our social media. And all that stuff's going to be there for you. So we want to encourage you to, to journey with us over these next 21 days as we just give, our, uh, give God our first and our best. Does that work for everybody? And uh, so we'd love for you to join us uh, in that. And then as, what's that? Tomorrow. tomorrow. It starts tomorrow. Um, some of you start fasting now. That's fine. Um, tomorrow. It starts tomorrow. And we're just really excited about this time. We do this every single year just to give God our attention um, at the beginning of the year. As well, I want to make us, uh, how many of you love that moment, Pastor Howie, just read scripture to us as we get into service today? Uh, we are going to be doing that every single weekend all this year. Uh, we're going to be reading through the Psalms all together at the beginning of each service. Uh, this is our way to really just set our hearts and our minds when we come into service. Uh, if you're a guest with us here today, uh, you did not step into an event. You stepped into the church, um, the body of Christ. And it's a, it's a living organism, and it's not meant to be spectated. It's meant to be engaged in. And so every single week around here, we're going to be reading scripture over, uh, over all of us. And then at the end of service, Pastor Howie or one of our other team members is going to come up at the end of service every single weekend around here and lead us in a benediction as well as we are sent back out into the world in which God has called us to make a difference in. And uh, the reason behind this is our team just really felt like God was leading us into a space and a place this year where our services should have progressive liturgy taking place. The reading of scripture, the engagement of, of worship, the study of God's word, and then the sending out of the saints back into the world in which God has called us to make a difference. Does that sound good to everybody? And you'll understand why in just a moment as I kind of just work through uh, where I believe God is leading us as a church. And so if you're a guest with us today, you're kind of kicking the tires on everything. Uh, this may be a little bit of a family conversation today, uh, but I hope that maybe you can hear the heart behind this place known as the well. Um, and what it is that we really believe that God is leading us into this year. Does that sound good? I want to read a piece of scripture to you to set this up. Proverbs chapter 29 verse 18 says this. It says that where there is no prophetic vision, the people cast off restraint. Where there is no prophetic vision, the people cast off restraint. But blessed is he who keeps the law. Today, as we begin this new year, I want to speak to you from this subject today, a vision for me and we. A vision for me and we as we look at the vision for 2023 and where God is asking the will to go. We bow your head and pray with me just one more time this morning. Father, we thank you for your word. It's alive, it's active, it's powerful, and it has the ability to transform us from the inside out. And so, God, I pray that your word would come alive in us today, that we would see you more, hear you more, understand you more, and I pray that your word would fall upon open hearts and soft minds are ready to receive your word today. And then I pray that it would take root and it would bear fruit in our lives. So we love you, we honor you, we give you this space today in Jesus' mighty name. Come on, and the church shout, shouted. Amen. And the church shouted. Amen. I want to read you a statistic I heard the other day. I don't know how accurate this statistic is, but I'm going to read it anyways, all right? And I uh, haven't done the background check on it, but uh, here's the statistic. 97% of all New Year's resolutions are going to fail. 
Come on, that's good news in church today. Some of you are like, isn't this an encouraging church? Just read it one more time to get into your space. 97% of all years, New Year's resolutions are going to, to fail. I know, great news at the start of a, of a new year. Have you ever noticed that before? Like if we're just brutally honest about things, how many of you would agree with me? A lot of the, the resolutions or the ideas that we have at the beginning of the year, we kind of, we, we, we miss the mark on them. Can we be honest about that? Right? We have like 975 books that we want to read. We want to we lose 145 pounds. Right? Want a new job, more money. Blah, 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 blah. Like it, all, it all goes down the list. And then we get to the end of 2023 and we go, here's the same resolution for 2024. We look back and maybe we go like, man, I, I missed the mark on a lot of different things. And it's an interesting reality that I've been thinking a lot about, especially as I really feel strongly about where God is leading us as a church this year. See, vision is so much more than just a list of objectives and goals, although that's a part. Vision has the overall destination in mind, which causes us to define the paths that must be taken to get there. How many of you know if you're going to go on a hike, you need to define the path in order to get there? Come on, how many of you, show of hands, how many of you know you don't just aimlessly wander through the woods hoping you're going to get somewhere? Because the only place you're going to get is lost, right? And I've done that before, so don't do it. <laughs> but vision, for many of us, we think vision is just the list of objectives, but there's something deeper, there's something more intrinsically involved, there's something more powerful about having prophetic vision as Scripture tells us. You see, many of us do not live with vision because we bought into the cultural liturgy of free-range humanity. In other words, the idea that there's no great end goal or purpose for life, faith, or humanity, except that which produces the most significant degree of personal flourishing possible. And so because of this, Christians especially have generally left the world unmarked by the great gift and truth that we have in Christ. See, to live with vision to have vision, to be a part of a vision, is to know that there is a greater purpose beyond ourselves, and therefore to engage in it until we cross the great finish line of faith with a well-done, good, and faithful servant, gloriously exhausted. I don't know about you, but if you're taking notes today, like I just write this thing down. The goal for my life is to leave this place gloriously exhausted. I spent it all for Jesus. I spent it all for my family. I spent it all for my wife. I gave everything that I am for the good name of Christ. Gloriously exhausted. And if I can be so bold as to say this, where there is no prophetic vision for our lives, we end up settling for a pathetic life. Because where there is no prophetic vision, it's just my own idea. And my own idea is broken at best. Come on, somebody. Is anybody church today? This is the writer's point in Proverbs 29. As we're introduced to this idea of prophetic vision, a vision that is from God. And you see, every single one of us is called to live a life of vision. That vision is to include personal vision that brings glory to God and communal or corporate vision that brings glory to God as well. We are to have both. As a person, we are to have a God-authored vision for our relational spaces, friendships, and, and singleness, and marriage, and families, and, and kids, and coworkers. We're to have a vision for our health. We're to have a vision for our money. We're to have a vision for our soul. And this is why the Bible says in 3 John 1, 2, that we are to prosper even as our soul prospers. God's plan and purpose for our life is a holistic vision. But it is dualistic. It's both personal and it's corporate, meaning vision is personal, but in the context of groups, family, friendships, and in this case, church, vision plays out at a larger scale. In the context of Christianity, specifically in the local church, vision, while personal, is not a privatized matter. Y'all hear me this morning? See, it's in our modern Western world where we've come to believe that who we are and who we are becoming only affects us. This is the great slight that postmodernism has leveled against Christianity specifically. Because here's the truth of the matter. Who, I'm, who I am and who I'm becoming intrinsically affects every single one of you in here. Would you agree with me? Yeah. Yeah. Think about that. I think sometimes we don't think about this. Just the, Jason stands up front and says a bunch of things in the Bible. I, I realize every single day that I get, there's a fear and trembling that should happen in all of us because my life intrinsically affects Devon. Devon's life intrinsically affects me. Why? Because we are a part of a greater thing going on, and that is the building of Christ's body. So we are connected. Right. Yeah. So we have to have a vision for me and 
and we. Here's why. Because who we are becoming personally affects the house that we are becoming corporately. Y'all with me today? And so we've got to venture through some scriptures today to understand what it is that's going on. Let's first go to Hebrews chapter 10, verses 19 to 23. Unknown author writes this, Therefore, brothers and sisters, that's everyone, since we have boldness to enter the sanctuary through the blood of Jesus, he has inaugurated for us a new and living way through the curtain that is through his flesh. And since we have a great high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed in pure water. Let us hold on to the confession of our hope. Come on, somebody. Without wavering, that's what we're doing as we're singing Jesus over everything today. What were we doing? We were holding on to the confession of our hope, that my hope is in his name. My hope is in his purpose. My hope is in his plan. My hope, come on, is in Jesus. And he says, do it without wavering, since he who promised is faithful. And let us consider one another in order to provoke love and good works, not neglecting to gather together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging each other and all the more as you see the day approaching. You see, it's personal, but it's not private. We impact each other. So the Apostle Paul in Ephesians would bring even greater clarity to this issue. Is everybody good with studying your Bible for a little while today? Ephesians chapter 4, verses 1 to 16. We're going to read it all so we can grab a hold of what Paul's saying to us. Paul's going to line out for us the vision of the church. And in this moment, specifically the church at Ephesus. It was a local church. It was obviously part of the big C church globally, but he's, he's writing a letter to the Ephesians to, to talk to them about the vision for this church. Watch what he writes. He says, therefore, I, a prisoner of the Lord, urge you to walk worthy of the calling you have received with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, making every effort to keep the unity of the spirit through the bond of peace. There is one body, one spirit, just as you were called to one hope at your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is above all and through all and in all. That's Paul saying, listen, there is one God and one God only. He is above every one thing, and that is the God that we worship. He is the way, he is the truth, he is the life. Come on, somebody, it's Jesus. And then he starts to pivot. After he lays the doctrinal and theological foundation for things, he says, now grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. For it says when he ascended on high, he took the captives captive and he gave gifts to his people. I want to skip down to verse 11. He says this, and he himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers. Why? To equip the saints for the work of the ministry to build up the body of Christ. Until we reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of God's Son, growing into maturity with a stature. What's the measuring stick? A stature measured by Christ's fullness. Come on, could you imagine writing that, that, that measuring stick on the wall of your home? Right? Like how much are we growing in the, in the fullness of Christ? Y'all, y'all with me this morning? That, that's, the, that's the purpose if we look scripturally is to, to mature in this way. Then we will no longer, why? What happens? He then goes on to say, then we will no longer be little children tossed by the waves and blown around by every wind of teaching, by human cunning with cleverness in the techniques of deceit. How many of you feel like it'd be a great thing to be able to stand in the world that we're living in, rooted and grounded, secure, steadfast, no matter what's going around me, my mind is stationed, my heart is ready, I am, I'm not tossed around. But speaking the truth in love, let us grow in every way into him who is the head Christ. From him the whole body fitted and knit together by every supporting ligament. Y'all know that you're a ligament this morning. Come on, turn to your neighbor and say, you're a ligament. Come on, turn back to your neighbor and say, be quiet, don't talk to me that way. Come on, this side, you're a ligament. Come on, somebody, right? Center section, you're, you're a ligament. Ligament. Come on, this side over here, you're a, you're a ligament. Do words get weird when you say them enough? Ligament, 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 right? <laughs> 
which is important because how many of you know when a ligament gets stretched or something feels weird, it, the whole body is affected. Why? Because you matter. What a vision for the church. The reason many of us struggle with this is because we want God's will, but we do not want His way. Oh, that sounds great, Jason. What a vision. I want His will, but I don't want His way. So what's his way? Well, Paul goes on to tell us. Because intention without action is just a good idea. Right? Ephesians chapter 4, 17 through 24. Now he's going to tell us the way. He says, therefore I say this and testify in the Lord. You should no longer walk as the Gentiles do in the futility of their thoughts. They are darkened in their understanding, excluded from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them and because of the hardness of their hearts. Every shout heart. heart. Every shout heart. heart. They became callous and gave themselves over to promiscuity for the practice of every kind of impurity with a desire for more and more. But that is not how you came to know Christ. Assuming you heard about him and were taught in him as the truth is in Jesus. So to take off your former way of life, the old self that is corrupted by deceitful desires, and to be renewed in the spirit of your minds and to put on the new self, the one created according to God's likeness in righteousness and purity of the truth. Come on, someone shout old. Someone shout new. See, this vision for a new self is the same one Paul would speak about to the Corinthians in 2 Corinthians 5, 17. Listen to what he says. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away and see the new has come. Again in Galatians 6, 15, for both circumcision and uncircumcision mean nothing. What matters instead is a new creation. Similarly, we would see this in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 15, and Colossians chapter 3, verses 9 through 10. All throughout Scripture, we see God talking about his desire to make us new. He wants to, he wants to make you new. And you never mature yourself past new. Come on. I, I haven't arrived. I need to be made new this morning. I got to be made new right now. I got to be made new when we walk out of this building today i got to be made new in my living room and in my bedroom and in my workplace and in my car and in my office. Come on. I'm being made new. Christ is working in me. He's doing something. He's shifting things and molding things. And more importantly, he's forming things. He's forming things. So this idea of becoming a new creation is highlighted for us by the Greek word ketesis. This is the word that Paul uses to define for us the process of something Becoming new by way of the creative hand of God. How many of you would agree with me that Jason and Erica are the only ones that have the authority to paint the walls in our house? Come on, show of hands. How many of you would agree with me on that, right? How many of you know if you came in with a bucket of paint and some stuff, you're like, I'm going to paint your wall. I'd be like, no, you're not. I'm going to paint you right out this house. Why? Because it's mine. It's my space. It's, it's our space. It's our territory. So this word ketesis literally means this in the Greek. It's the idea of God invading our heart space because he is the only one with the creative authority to do so and pushing everything out that has taken residence in there that stops you and I from being who he's called us to be. That's pretty awesome. Means he must be like, whack, bam, boom, get out of the heart, it's mine. That's what happens when we say yes to Jesus. Don't be like, I don't know if I want that in my heart. That's what happens, that's the, the idea. Ezekiel chapter 36, Jeremiah 31, both pieces of scripture that Old Testament prophets would look forward to this moment that because of Jesus, you and I are being made new and given a new heart. So here's what I want us to see today. That's just the groundwork because I want you to know the next thing I'm about to tell you is not my idea. Y'all with me? The vision that God has for this church, the well, is intrinsically connected to the vision that he has for each of our lives. 
And that vision is one of spiritual formation and growth. This year, as a church, it is our sole commitment to be a church that works through a succinct and very strong process of spiritual formation for every single one of us. That is vision 2023 as a church. Our goal is to grow this year in our hearts. Because here's the truth, the church becomes what its people are becoming. See, Dallas Willard in his book, Renovation of the Heart, writes this, churches are not the kingdom of God, but are primary and inevitable expressions, outposts, and instrumentalities of the presence of the kingdom among us. They are societies of Jesus springing up in Jerusalem, in Judea, in Samaria, and to the farthest points of the earth as the reality of Christ is brought to bear on ordinary human life. Spiritual formation, it's catesis. So Vision Sunday 2023 does not come with any grand announcement or fanfare. Still still instead, I humbly submit to all of us here today and online that the prophetic vision in front of us is to become and continue to become the people that God has called us to be and therefore become the church that Christ has in his heart for us to be here at the well. But be warned, this task is a challenging one. It is not a task to be taken lightly or flippantly. Instead, it is a task that will require from each of our lives great sacrifice, patience, diligence, and perseverance. It is a task that will expose us to both the sweetness of God's grace and the crucible of his conviction. It will bring us face to face with what Dallas Willard calls the evil of our ruined soul, only to be made new by the glorious and regenerative work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Over the course of this year, we will do the hard but glorious work of spiritual formation as a church. We will do this through our series on the weekends, which next weekend we begin a brand new series called Floodgates. You want to be here for it. We will do this through foundations, grow, the Timothy Project, and our table groups. We will do this through prayer, worship, and Bible study. We will do this by giving our resources and serving with our time and giftedness. We will do this as we engage locally and internationally. We will do this as we learn to forgive, walk humbly, give grace, and seek peace. We will do this as teens who glorify God in our junior and senior high schools. We will do this on our college campuses as we live not according to the world, but according to the word of God. We will do this by glorifying God in our singleness and leading with character, integrity, and consistency in our marriages. We will do this as we raise our children, care for the vulnerable, and pursue Christ-centered reconciliation and justice. We will do this with our words, we will do this in our actions, and we will do this with our reactions. 2023 will be a year of significant spiritual formation to the the praise and the glory of God. Amen. That's what 2023 is about. It's not sexy, but it's big. And I don't know, maybe you've never sat in a moment like this before. Where we've, talk, we've talked openly about this, but here's what I've, I've come to realize is that unless we paint the picture of the vision, then we just run aimlessly. That's what Proverbs is saying. Without prophetic vision, the people cast off restraint. (laughs) So what will this look like? In his book, Renovation of the Heart, which you'll hear a lot about this year, Dallas Willard identifies six areas or aspects of our lives. I'm gonna just, just cruise these really fast. And it's these areas that he highlights is where God does his great forming work in our life. Here's the, here's the first one. These are the six areas. Our first one is our thoughts. You write this down today. Our thoughts. This includes images, concepts, judgments, and inferences. The second area is our feelings. This is where God brings formation in our lives. This includes sensations and emotions. The third area is our choices. This includes our will, our decisions, our character. He's just pointing out where formation takes place. Number four, our body. This includes actions and interactions with the physical world. The fifth one is our social context. This includes personal and structural relations to others, how we relate to people. 
And number six, our soul. This is the factor that integrates all of the other aspects to form one integrated life. Because we haven't been called by God to be disintegrated. Y'all with me? We've been called to be intrinsically whole to the measure that we have in Christ Jesus. Not perfect. Oh, let's go, somebody. Not perfect, but in process. Not perfect, but connecting at greater levels internally so that everything that we do, say, act, believe, and work in is bringing truth and grace to the people around us. Spiritual formation. It's to be molded, to be made new. And here's the thing. Some of us are like, man, you know, it sounds like a lot. It sounds deep. It is. It's going to be hard work. I remember Eric and I walking into a CrossFit gym for the first time. My goodness. Some of you do CrossFit in here. Everything I'm about to say, please don't get offended by it. Um, but how many of you would like just assess with me when you walk into a CrossFit gym for the first time? It's weird. It's a weird space. Right? There's bro over in the corner grunting and you don't know why. Right? Veins are popping out. There's chalk everywhere. Right? All these weird apparatuses and people are like, right when you walk in. Go, 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 go. It's a lot like walking into church here for the first time. Right? Like, let's, let's be honest. Let's be honest. Some of you are like, yeah, I know, I almost left, right? And so I remember, I, not like we're, we're like, we just want to lose a little weight. We want to get healthier. And then there's that dude, and he's like squatting 450 pounds. Just <laughs> and, and at first, if I'm honest with you, I look over there, and I'm like, if this is what this is going to be, I'm out. Now, I didn't go start back squatting 450 pounds. I had to start somewhere. But here, here's, here's the thing. They never took their standards down of what it was that I was to grow into. Jesus doesn't remove his standards. He just walks with us in grace. And we, every single day, and I added a pound here and added a pound there and added a pound here and added a pound there and it was sore all the time and added a pound here. And then it got to the point where a new person came in looking to lose a little weight and I'm the guy in the corner going, <laughs> right? Like, <laughs> so... Spiritual formation, Dallas Willard says, refers to the spirit-driven process of forming the inner world of the human self in such a way that it becomes like the inner being of Christ himself. In other words, the greatest vision that we can have for ourselves and our churches is to become increasingly more Christ-like in nature and in character. Y'all with me today? All right, so we're going to work through four very practical things really quick. Um, I don't have a ton of time to spend on them. Remember, this is Vision Sunday, so it's like just, and then over the rest of the year, the stuff's going to drip out, and we're going to go for it. Does that sound good with everybody? All right, need your help. Every shot, number one. Four decisions we need to make as a church today, as individuals today, corporately working together. Here's the first one. Spiritual formation is the decision to do hard things. Oh, don't get quiet on me. (laughs) Spiritual formation is the decision to do hard things. So massive piece of scripture, we're not going to read it all. John chapter 6, 47 through 66. So I'm going to to read verse 33 and then then fast forward a little bit. So Jesus said to them, truly I tell you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you do not have life in yourselves. The one who eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life and I will raise him up on the last day because my flesh is true food and my blood is true drink. Show of hands, how many of you would say that's a weird message for the day? I wonder what the title of that was, right? He said these things while teaching in the synagogue of Capernaum. Now watch what happens. Verse 60, therefore, when many of his disciples heard this, they said, this teaching is hard. Who can accept it? Jesus, knowing in himself that his disciples were grumbling about this, asked them, does this offend you? (laughs) 
How many of you are like, yeah, kind of. I'm, I'm not a cannibal. This is, I'm kind of offended, actually. Jesus is going is to push us as he's forming us to do hard things. Watch verse, now this is interesting, don't read into it, but I just thought it was kind of interesting this week when I read this. John 6, verse 66. I was like, they put that in there? No. (laughs) Watch what it says. From that moment, many of his disciples turned back and no longer accompanied him. So Jesus said to the 12, you don't want to go away too, do you? See, I find it interesting that we run around saying how awesome this Jesus guy was, except we're met with a piece of scripture where his, his guys were jumping ship. Why? Because he said to do something hard and he offended them. Because here's the truth, spiritual formation, if you want to grow, if you want to become in Christ, if you want to become the new creation, it's not on your willpower, it's in his power, but man, he's going to ask us to do some hard things. And the truth is it takes a vicious commitment to doing hard things to see formation in the fullest of our lives. Number two, everybody shout number two. Here's the second thing. Spiritual formation is the decision to do obedient things. Simple one, John 14, verse 15. This is Jesus says, if you love me, you'll keep my commands. If you love me, you'll keep my commands. You see, having an experience with Jesus is vastly different from following and being formed by Jesus. See, with experience, you can come and you can go, but to to follow and to be formed means that obedience becomes the necessary tool for such a task. See, the problem is, is that many of us want to have spiritual experiences, but very few of us want to be spiritually formed. We step into places and spaces. We can even come here on a weekend, and this is where some of us are going to start to get uncomfortable because I'm going to go at some things as, as your pastor. We can come here on a weekend and we can experience worship, but reject conviction. We can listen to the Word of God, but reject the truth that then forms me. It's all experiential in, in nature, and then we create the experience as being bad or good based upon I, how I felt during all of it. Man, the worship team, they hit it today. They hit the right note today. Devon and, and a lot, man, they were on key today. That guitar player, he was grooving, and it felt so good. It was awesome. But then, have you ever had the weekend where nothing happens? Yep. Yeah. Jesus from the rooftops. <laughs> Jesus from the streets. Do we even sing about Jesus in the streets? Like... Come on, y'all with me? Let's not pretend that there's not weird moments in church where we sing things and you're like, I don't know. <laughs> if you love me, you'll keep my commands. So the truth is that spiritual formation is the process of obedience. There are tools and, and mechanisms God, that God uses in our lives to aid in the work of spiritual formation, to actually embody who it is that we are becoming in Christ. I want to embody it. I want, I want, I want you to see it. I, I, and I would hope that you would want others to see it in you, to embody it. I hope to embody who I'm becoming as a husband in my family. I hope to embody who I'm becoming as a, as a father to my kids. Not that they just go like, well, he, he intended to be a good dad. Versus, no, no, he, he, he was, it was different. He engaged when he was tired. He spoke when he had no more words. He didn't give the church everything of him. He gave it to us first. He, he loved mom and occasionally made out with her in front of people. It's... It's spiritual formation, okay? I'm becoming. So <laughs> I just lost everybody. Um, oh. 
So what are, what are some of these tools? Let's talk really quick. First one, Bible reading. It's used to shape our mind and infuse knowledge as to who God is as we discover his purpose, plans, general desires. We must become students of God's word. I'm not saying studying for four hours a day, but become students, right? Second one, prayer. Prayer is the necessary tool for communing with God intimately and relationally. And prayer is not just asking for things, but listening to and receiving from God as well. Instruction, discipline, correction, conviction, revelation, and many other aspects of God's nature and character. It's in prayer that we receive and we experience God's nature and character. See, when Eric and I embrace each other, we, we hug, we hold each other, there's intimacy that's taking place. And, and what we're doing is we are experiencing each other's nature and character. That's what, that's what prayer is. So here, I want you to see this. When Eric and I have been in a fight or an argument and there's an offense between us, when we work to overcome that and then we embrace each other, it's not that even everything has gone away, but what we're doing is we're saying we're going to override the anger and the frustration and the thing that the enemy can use to bring a wedge between us, and through communion with one another, we are going to heal. That's prayer. That's what prayer is with God, is I'm going to experience his nature and character, not just ask for things. He's not a cosmic vending machine. Eugene Peterson says it like this, prayer is the intensity, of, the intensity of spirit at the attention before God. I'm right here. It's like when a parent says to a kid, look at me. He just looked at me. <laughs> that was awesome. Uh, do that at home. <laughs> that's, that's my spirit. It's why when Pastor Howie reads scripture this morning, how many of you are like, whoosh, what's it doing? Because we're not here for an event. We are here for a holy moment. Worship, this is the mechanism employed to cause us to focus outwardly toward God. We've talked about this a lot. We'll talk about it more this year. Giving, the church got quiet. If we're honest today, this one hits the hardest for a lot of us. It's funny, in almost 20 years, Pastor Kaisa, in almost 20 years of ministry, I can count on one hand the number of times someone has come into my office and said, I wanna be a better and bigger giver. Truth be told, it's usually the complete opposite. See, giving and the topic of giving is usually met with all the reasons why we shouldn't. Don't have to, you fill in the blank. The issue of money says more about our hearts than almost any other issue we face. And it's why Jesus himself would talk so much about it. I'm going to be your pastor today. This year, many of us will need to square off with this issue. Let me challenge us here today. Many of us need to begin the journey of tithing and to trust Jesus with this portion of our resources. And many of us in here tithe, but we are equipped in such a way that we have the gift of generosity and we need to to be a part of the legacy team around here. Because we have the gift of procuring kingdom resource to see things initiated in advance in a hyperactive way. And we're going to talk more about that as we enter into the legacy season around here in a few months. This is a tool, it's a mechanism that God uses in our lives. Last one's this, serving. Biblically speaking, one of the main reasons that each of us has been gifted with talent, skill, and ability is to serve others. You know what's crazy in all of our services this weekend? There's a lot, there are thousands of people that go here. You know what's insane is that there's some of you that have one of the greatest gifts of singing on the planet. Come on. And you're not using it to serve the way that God has designed you or called you to serve. Some of you are the, like, the, the, like the most welcoming people on the planet. Like when people get around you and they, they're just around your smile, they're just like, oh. <laughs> but you anonymously come in and out of this place. Instead of standing at the front door, welcoming that person who needs your smile. Because you will be the first time during the week that they ever received anything positive. And I could go on and on and on. Some of you are like Pied Pipers with kids. 
right? <laughs> Y'all know where I'm going with that. Some of you have a heart for the homeless community. In such a way that you, can, you, you, just, you have that ability, that grace, you've been graced with it, gifted with it. And you're waiting for somebody at church to tell you what to do with it. Y'all, y'all with me? Can we talk about spiritual formation today? Yeah. Serving. These are a few of, of the many mechanisms used in, used in our lives by God to engage spiritual formation. Number three. Every shot, number three. three. Spiritual formation is the decision to do sacrificial things. 1 Corinthians 9, 24 through to 27 says this, don't you know that, that the runners in a stadium all race, but only one receives the prize? Run in such a way to win the prize. Now, everyone who competes exercises self-control in everything. They do it to receive a perishable crown, but we an imperishable crown. So I do not run like one who runs aimlessly or, or box like one beating the air. Instead, I discipline my body and I bring it under strict control so that after preaching to others, I myself will not be disqualified. John Calvin is quoted as saying this, it is our privilege to exhaust our lives for Jesus. We are not to be living specimens of men and women in fine preservation, but living sacrifices whose lot is to be consumed. Now, let me just say this. As I quote many people throughout my messages, don't try to venture into where all of my theology is at on certain things. Calvin said some baller stuff. So church history helps us with this essential practice, a practice known as catesis. The term is derived from the Greek, and it connotes disciplined training for war or more commonly for athletic competition. Thus, a Christian was to train like an athlete, denying sin and things that lead to sinful thoughts and actions. With an updated or more contemporary approach found in his book, Underneath an Unpredictable Plant, Eugene Peterson writes this, Achesis is a calculated and deliberate interference with this godlust that humanity has. Genesis chapter 3, verses 1 through 6, highlights the idea that, that the heart of humanity seeks to be godlike. It's the reason that they were tempted to go against what God had said no to. So to engage in the sacrificial nature of spiritual formation, one enters into a life of achesis. I'm going to have uh, Chris and, and Seth, Pastor Seth, pop up here really quick. This is what achesis is. God graced boundaries and a way of living that, opened, uh, that operates within the designated life that God has for humanity. And one of the most significant places this takes place is within the local gospel community. So for many of us, we like to live willy-nilly, don't we? Can we just be, can we all just therapy moment? How many of you agree with me? Like we kind of like, whee! That's life sometimes, let's just be honest. There, many of us struggle with boundaries and putting things around, just I want to let, and then we want to get others, come with me, Chris. <laughs> That's what we do. We, we, grab, we grab a hole and we, and we, and we grab others to come, to come and we, we live our best life and we, we, we do you, boo-boo, and, and we live according to my truth and you know, you know, in my way. And then what we do, Chris, is that as we're skipping along and doing our thing, we say, hey, God, follow me. But we fail to remember that Jesus said, no, you follow me. That's good. Achesis. And so this is what it looks like. And this is why local community is so important. Stay with me. Stay with me. I want to show you this. I want to illustrate what achesis looks like. This is what it looks like. Many of us want to live out here. Outside the box. God says, no, no. This is, this is what life is to look like for you. It was when Jonah was in the belly of a whale. 
It's when people were contained by the loving and grace-built boundaries that God has for them. And it's in this space, while constricting, that John 3 takes place, that Jason decreases and Jesus increases. This right here, Achesis, is what we call death to self. That's what this space is. Okay, guys, let me out now. <laughs> and that's a scary place for us. Isn't it? And one of the greatest institutions, for lack of better terms, that this takes place in is within the context of a local community. Because it's within a local community that you are seen and heard and known. Even in a large one. This is not a small church or big church thing. Because you can be anonymous in small churches and in big churches. Y'all with me? Just like you can be anonymous in small families and in big families. Or you can be engaged in small families or in big families. But the local community is what God set up, his church, his ecclesia, for these things to take place in our lives. So let me say this very clearly at the outset of 2023. And again, I want to be your pastor today when I say this, so hear my heart. Pick a place and be planted. Stop being the guest in multiple houses and become a contributing person to one house. Eugene Peterson says it like this, spirituality requires context, always, boundaries, borders, limits. Now let me qualify it like this. It may not be the well. Fantastic. I honestly have no problem where you end up. But let's not couch surf different houses of the valley. Come on, everybody should be clapping on this one. Church was never designed by God to be a smorgasbord where we are fed all the time. And we bounce around to every other place because we like this here, and we like this here, and we like this there, we like this here. Uh Uh-uh. Achesis takes place when you're in the house that you've been called to be in, and you get offended by it. Or you get challenged by it, or something happens and you've got to work through grace and and forgiveness, or it's the place that somebody sees you so much so they can call out the gifting in you and call out the nonsense in your life and push you on and help you persevere. Me and Howie, we're connected with each other. My life impacts his life. His life impacts my life. Y'all see what I'm talking about? My life impacts your life, and your life impacts his life and his life. And it doesn't matter whether you're a teen or whether you're a young adult or a college student or, or a young couple or a young single or a professional. I don't care if you're 95 or you're 12 or you're 9. Our lives impact each other. And all across this valley, there are houses of worship that have a calling and a specificity to them. Come on, is anybody with me today? And so, I want to encourage us today to seek God on this, this matter, this issue. Pick a place. My kids... My kids are not formed by going to every one of their friends' house. They're entertained. Oh, it's getting quiet in church today. They're entertained, but they're not formed. They're formed when they're at home. And dad says, no, broccoli, not cake. Bedtime's at 7.30. We're going to read together today. We're going to Sabbath together today. Y'all see what I'm talking about? That, that's what this thing is about. We've got, to, we've got to kick and reject the Western consumer idea of what we've made church to be. Now, you have, listen, you have permission. I just want, I just want you to know that I want you to hear the grace in this. If the well's not for, for you, I will, I will point you lovingly to five other Jesus-preaching Holy Spirit-filled churches where you can find life and faith. But if the well is for you, let's lock in and do this this year.
Number four, last one. I'm not going to spend a lot of time because this is, the, this is the one that just kind of binds it all together. Number four, spiritual formation is the decision to do Jesus stuff. To do Jesus things. And this is what the Jesus thing is. He said to his disciples, if anyone wants to follow after me, Matthew 16, 24 to 27, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. Because whoever wants to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life because of me will find it in Jesus' mighty name. With everybody bowing their head and closing their eyes in this moment. We threw out a lot today on this Vision Sunday, 2023. My prayer is this, so we'd all be able to walk away today and really allow God to deal with our hearts and our minds. And for some of you, you're, man, you're locked in. You're like, man, this is what I've been waiting for. Let's go. Some of us are offended. Some of us are thinking. Some of us are feeling like we, we come to the place, you and Jesus. Because this year, I really believe that he wants to form us in such significant ways. But the formation starts someplace. There's, a, there's an actual beginning to it. It starts when we say yes to him. That, that's, the, that's the place that it begins. The journey starts when we say yes to Jesus. And so with every head bowed and every eye closed and no one looking around in this moment, I want to invite us to make a decision to follow him. And some of you have been wrestling with this, maybe even in 2022. And you're face to face with it now. And so with every head bowed and every eye closed, we're going to pray a prayer together. And this is a prayer that we pray every single week. And it's us saying, man, Jesus, take my life and give me the life that you have for me. And if that's you today, I just want to encourage you to pray this prayer with all of us today as we, as we pray this together as a, as a church. Come on, as loud as you can, repeat this after me. Everybody say, Jesus, I'm giving you everything. I'm giving you my past. I'm giving you my right now. And I'm putting my future in your hands. Save me, change me, and make me new. And I declare in this moment that I'm going to follow you all the days of my life today. I'm saying yes to following you and being formed by you. In Jesus' name.